Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Nikki Dross. And I'm Cheryl Hole. Just kidding, it's not Freaky Friday. And this is Killers, Cults and Queens. The podcast where we're going to learn all about the spookiest, scariest and damn right weirdest corners of the world. In this episode, we're diving headfirst into the world of creepypastas to look at one of the most iconic scary stories on the internet, the Russian sleep experiment. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> well, in their case, they can. Yeah. I, I don't think the mushroom was the right thing to take just before entering the airport. Not a good idea, not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go to sleep. <laughs> I'm, I'm hallucinating. Hallucinate. Are you ready? Bought my night off. I'm ready for business. Welcome to Killers, Colts, and Queens, the show where we take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the world. Today we're diving headfirst into the depths of the internet and taking a look at one of the most iconic creepypastas of all time, the Russian sleep experiment. We're going to be reading the original story and then turning back the clock to look at other real-life doomed sleep experiments to see if this actually could be real. But firstly, how you doing? I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. No, I'm all good. I'm all good. Look... Life, life is fabulous. Life is great. Like you've just got to seize every opportunity whilst it's there. Yes, you can be exhausted and tired, and it's quite fitting that on a day that I'm a knackered chezzy that we're talking about a sleep experiment, which <laughs> I'm sure it's not got much to do with sleeping. But you know what? We're rolling with it. How are you, Nikki? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I too am also sleepy, so <laughs> it is very fitting that we're going to be talking about sleep experiments today. But I think this is going to be a really good, exciting 
interesting one. So I think you're going to really enjoy it because we go off in lots of different directions today. Now, everybody listening to the podcast knows that we love a tangent. We love going down the left-hand lane and going down the uh, the dark alleys of the world and getting lost like you did this morning. <laughs> yeah, I managed to get lost on the way to the studio. But <laughs> hey. We've been recording in the studio now for, what, a couple of months? Yeah. Yeah, possibly more than that. And um, yeah, I managed to get lost this morning. <laughs> it's only because you detoured like the cyclist yes from your normal route but, that's what threw you off but nothing nothing happened maybe it was the thing that didn't happen which was the good thing about my detour maybe something happened elsewhere maybe a piano fell from the ceiling <laughs> i'm a firm believer in life sending you these weird weird messages to be like why don't you take this route today or why don't you do that it's like the other day i woke up and i was like okay I'm going to do this today instead of doing it on Monday, for example. And because I did that, I was in a place where I needed to be for a a situation without even realising. And it was just like, oh, why did this happen? Yeah, it's weird when stuff like that happens, isn't it? It's like fate sends you the right way. Yeah. Or sometimes the wrong way. (laughs) So does Google Maps. But at the moment, I think possibly we both need to be sent back to bed. (laughs) I've I've had a coffee. You've got your coffee. I have. Yeah, I've got my my pumpkin spice cold brew. Not sponsored, not sponsored. (laughs) Hey, the spooky season is upon us. Yeah. And then the words of that uh, movie, this is Halloween, this is Halloween. Everybody held the pumpkin brew. <laughs> and I am the queen of Halloween, so it's okay. I've, I'm going to make a very controversial statement here. Don't you dare be dissing my favourite holiday. I love Halloween. I just hate partaking in Halloween. Oh, well, that's fair. Because everybody expects drag queens yeah. to deliver high standard Halloween calibre. And you can only use it once a year. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not an ooky spooky queen. There's only so many times I could perform Monster by Lady Gaga. (laughs) You know, he ate my heart. (laughs) Right, shall we get down to this episode? All right then. Now, we've dipped our toes into the world of creepypastas before in episode two, when we looked into the disturbing Slenderman stabbing. Are you ready to brave the waters once more? We are very in the, the into the thick of it of this podcast now. <laughs> so I feel like I've got my big girl knickers on now and I'm ready for anything. It's not quite tenor ladies, but I've got my big girl pants on. In fact, if we can, I think we should turn the lights out in here to get the full effect. You were joking. Can we do that? Are you serious? Can we? Can we do that? Shall we do that? I'm going to save that until we get to the story so we can get really ooky spooky when we get there. I'm so excited for this. If only we had um, electric tea lights. (laughs) Well, I just happen to have some in my bag. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) No, I wouldn't either. (laughs) So time to set the scene. It's 1940 and hidden somewhere in Russia, a team of researchers are worried about their test subjects. Breaking protocol, they enter the test room to find a horrific scene. Some of the test subjects are dead. There are chunks of flesh lying around the room. And those who are alive have bones where their fingers should be. What started as a research mission into a new stimulant has ended in brutal evisceration, bloody murder, and the possibility of a new world. 
What exactly happened in that Russian bunker? And was it actually real or just a really well worn yarn? Let's find out. <laughs> wow! Already flesh and bones and carnage in a bunker. You know, I don't live far from a World War II bunker. The, it was it was like a, a nuclear bunker. The Kelvedon Hatch. No, it's not Kelvedon. It's in Onga. Oh, What's I don't know called? about this What's one. What's it called? Because I was looking at Kelvedon Hatch the other day and I was like, you know what? Me and Shez should go and do a, a ghost hunt there. Don't tempt me with a good time. I've expressed how much I love ghost hunting and I really want to do it. So maybe maybe we'll do a, like a spin-off YouTube episode yeah. where we go ghost hunting. Yeah. Right, Onga... Not nuclear races. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I don't live far from a bunker and I've always wanted to go just as part of history. I love history, me. And it's just one of those things that I just really want to go explore. But now I've just got this image of walking into the bunker and seeing all these dead people there with flesh missing from them and like bony fingers. Oh, yeah. yeah. 1940. That was that was the era of World War Two. Yeah. So lots, lots of shit was going lots of down. Awful things that I think were never spoken about did happen during that time, and particularly things like sleep experiments, for example. I have no clue what a sleep experiment is, other than Big Brother, where they deprive them of sleep. Well, we might get into one of those a little bit later on. Hey, I'm. I don't know whether the coffee has just kicked in, but I am absolutely buzzing with excitement to get into this. See, I told you you were going to. Yeah, this one. I'm so excited. <laughs> So the story of this apparent doomed experiment carried out by Russians in the Soviet era first appeared on the internet over a decade ago now in 2010. Where did it first appear? I hear you ask. Where did it appear? Well, of course, our favourite place on the internet, the Creepypasta Wiki. Of course. Where else? Now, if you haven't listened to our episode on Slenderman, firstly, how very dare you? Go and listen to it right now. But secondly, we'll very quickly explain what a creepypasta is for you. But if you want something a bit more in depth, head back to episode two. Essentially, a creepypasta is a catch-all term for a scary or spooky story posted to the internet. These stories can and have been posted anywhere, from the dizzying heights of the creepypasta wiki itself, all the way down to the sewers of 4chan and anywhere in between. They are mainly, but not always, fictional, but generally the point of a creepypasta is to make you believe that it's real. Which brings us neatly to today's topic, the Russian sleep experiment. That's the title this tale was posted under, and it has since become the most infamous creepypasta in modern-day internet history. It's the most shared creepypasta ever made, and, other than Slenderman, has probably had one of the biggest real-world impacts of all the internet scary stories, and that's for a very good reason. The debate around whether the Russian sleep experiment actually happened is still going on, even 12 years after it first appeared online. So, let's go ahead and dive straight into this tale. Are you ready? Oh, so ready. This is the Russian sleep experiment word for word, as it was originally written, including bad grammar and typos. Shall we turn the lights out? I'm so excited! I'll get the torch, I'll get the torch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It is really dark in here. I'm not going to lie, I'm actually a little scared. And also, this is kind of slightly sleep experiment-y type room, because we've got padded walls, we've got somebody watching us from the little hatch through the wall. If only that was a two-way mirror. 
Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. Get that fire exit door on. I'm out. off. <laughs> right, I'm laying in my chamber. I'm ready okay. for the story. Are you ready? Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water and toilet, and enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. 1940. I paid attention in school. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised, falsely, that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were, and they started to demonstrate severe paranoia. Oh, God. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber, repeatedly yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. (laughs) No. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. Ouch. The most surprising thing about this behaviour is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather, didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own faeces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. What? So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive, In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber. Hoping to provoke any response from the captives, they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. 
To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. What? Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of loved ones, to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state that any of them in life. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the centre of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. No, 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 I don't like this. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth, as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects had been removed while the heart, lungs and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. What? The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working digesting food no (laughs) i want out i want out you okay no i don't like this (laughs) it quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days why am i putting myself through this (laughs) (laughs) most of the soldiers were russian special operatives at the facility but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and then <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, carry on. And an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. 
he was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of a morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. When Hart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he had bled out to the point there was more air in his vascular system than blood. Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over, weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility, the two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for the surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints when the anaesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even through the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anaesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. Jealous, his heartboat won't beat again. (laughs) In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn and he had broken nine bones in his struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed, he was unable to beg or object to surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anaesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested, reluctantly, they try the surgery without anaesthetic. What a nut job! And did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically impossible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times when his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. What? The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anaesthetic as well, although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralysed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must 
remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their project considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, an ex-KGB, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. First left, then right, then left again for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brainwaves in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out to the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwaves showed the same flat lines as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside, as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point-blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed, as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. The end. I don't like that. Do you want the lights back on? Yes, please. (laughs) There we go. Wow. What a journey. Now, let's let's just do a bit of hindsight. Remember when I said I'm the gullible one that always wants to believe? Yes. After hearing that, I don't believe a word of it. <laughs> yeah, me neither. No. No, I think there's a lot of problems with... Uh, firstly, it's not written 
very well. So it sounds first draft. Yeah, nobody's gone back through and done their checks on that, have they? They haven't had a second. Well, you'd like to think that Microsoft Word in 2010 would have had a bit more spell check, but you know, failed them. Yeah, you think the little red lines would have popped up underneath some of the really bad spellings in there as well. <laughs> maybe they wrote it on like Notes app. Maybe. On a Samsung. Yeah. Maybe they voice dictated it. Did that even was was that even a thing in 2010? Probably not. Uh well, the iPhone 4 came out. Mm. That's that's all I remember of 2010. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. <laughs> well, that was interesting. There was a lot of moments that I literally was like, oh, oh. Like, it's really grim, isn't it? Like the the, the the organs just hanging out, just mm. like they're, they're at a barbecue. But like just hanging out. What? Yeah. Question. What's the longest you've stayed awake for that you can you can remember? Probably three days. 24, 48, 72. Yeah. When I've was been that traveling. the good maths? That was. Well done, me. Yeah. When I've been traveling. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you can't actually get any proper sleep. So you might get, you know, the odd 10 minutes here and there, but not an actual proper sleep. So I don't know if that counts. Yeah. No, well, that would count in my eyes. Yeah. So I'll give you that. How about I, you? I think on record I did 51 hours. Oof. And that was when I was at university. And on the same day as my dissertation hand in, it was also my uh, final showcase for my choreography piece. Oof. So I was frantically typing away on my laptop in the dressing room, trying to prep my dancers for my big final performance of my choreography piece. And everybody's like, right, you've got six minutes, get to the library, go, 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 go. Yeah. Oh, it was like a team, it was a mission. And then instead of going to sleep after being awake in the library all night, having a breakdown, threatening to leave the course with literally <laughs> a couple of days left, I decided to go to heaven and go party <laughs> until five in the morning because I'm what? Yeah, Crazy. why not? Yeah, why not? That's what you need. Blow off steam. I, I was pumped with Red Bull. Yeah. Like, instead of oxygen and gas, Yeah, it was Ready B. <laughs> I think Red Bull's got a lot to answer for, really, isn't it? <laughs> I know. I'm not going to lie. The sound of that gas did seem quite appealing at the beginning of the story. Yeah, you think, actually, if you could just lie down in a chamber for, you know, an hour or so and then be up for the next five days, might not necessarily be a bad thing if you've got a deadline. Well, I'm a busy girl. Yeah. I've got places to be, people to see, shows to do. Exactly. And I can't I can't switch off. I've got a very, very bad sleep pattern. And if I know, say, for example, I've got to be up at 8 to get the train at 8.45... I won't. I will be up every hour on the hour mm. checking the clock. Is it time to wake up? Because I'm so. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Paranoid. Yeah, I'm I, like that. I, I'm not sure if I've told you this, but I used to work at TGI Fridays. And they, on my first day, told me, right, punctuality is key. So to be early is to be on time. To be on time is to be late, and to be late is unacceptable. And that stuck with me for... I was always a very punctual person. Like, I did theatre, so showtime was this time. You had to be ready and ready for curtain up. But that mantra from working at TGI is like, to be early is to be on time. I'm always like, oh, my God, am I going to oversleep? Because I'm so... (laughs) It's giving you trauma. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm also very conscious of... I'm not a selfish person. It's not just me doing this job. There is a factor of people that go into this. And like, say, for example, there's us three in the studio right now working on this podcast. If I was, say, an hour late, do you know how terribly guilty I would feel that I was wasting all your time? So I wouldn't do that. So if it meant that I needed some gas and air, do you know what? I would love to try gas and air. <laughs> you need to just find a pregnant person and just hang around. <laughs> hey, sissy, how I'm going to be coming to the hospital with you. Um, but I would just be like, give me the gas. I'll just stay awake. So you'd be up for this then? You, you'd go in for it if they offered Not it the to you. 15 days with the shit smeared windows. No. So whilst the Russian sleep experiment might not have actually happened, and for good reason, because I don't think anyone could stay awake for 15 days, there are a few instances across history where people have stayed awake for hours and days on end. Whether it's to win money, raise money, or as a form of torture, sleep deprivation is nothing new. So let's take a look at some of the craziest sleep experiments that we know actually happened in the last hundred years. I think a dissertation is torture, so I've I've been through it. (laughs) 1938, the cave dwellers. Sleep deprivation studies have been going on for eons, with one of the earliest famous studies taking place over 80 years ago. In 1938, two researchers, Nathaniel Kleitman and Bruce Richardson, decided to see what would happen when they removed themselves from their natural sleep cycle. They moved into Mammoth Cave, an enormous cave in Kentucky. Now, this cave is massive. You could even say mammoth. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But no, seriously, it's actually the longest cave system in the entire world. Is it like a narrow cave or is it like like skyscraper, big cave? Yeah. 
Their objective was to see what would happen to them if they disrupted their circadian rhythm. So the body's... Sorry, sorry pause. The body's natural sleep cycle. Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah. Circadian. Um, circadian. Circadian. Uh, circadian. Circadian. Yeah, circadian. There you go. Got Just it. got to say it in an Yeah, exactly. That's what I should it. do from now on. Circadian. <laughs> so the body's natural response to sunlight... Would they sleep normally or even need to sleep at all if they couldn't tell what time it was? Together, Nathaniel and Bruce spent 32 days in the cave, adapting to a 28-hour day in the darkness of the cave. Other than probably going absolutely out of their minds with boredom, they found that the human body, well, their human bodies, maintained a roughly 24-hour temperature cycle, even without the usual external cues our bodies are used to which basically means that we have a natural circadian rhythm that doesn't depend on the movement of the sun. How cool is that? I'm f- that is fascinating. Yeah. Because I've always, like, I've never been in a situation, like, where I've not known what the time is or not been able to gauge from daylight and sunset, you know? So that's that's fascinating that our bodies could be like, oh, it's a bit chilly now, it must be the evening. Yeah, I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Because, you know, if you're starting to feel a little bit cold, you need to get inside. That's going to keep you nice and protected away from any predators. You're going to stay nice and warm. So I think it's probably a, a good, like, protection thing that your body does. It's really smart. What did they do in that cave? Nothing, by the sounds of it. Well, <laughs> if I had anything to do with it. <laughs> well, they weren't two, two gentlemen on their own, so hey. maybe... <laughs> Okay, on to the next one. 1959, 200 hours of consciousness. In 1959, one man decided to go without sleep for so long that it permanently altered his personality. Peter Tripp was a radio presenter from New York. He presented the top 40 every week and was pretty popular on the airwaves. But he took things to the next level when he decided to join a fundraiser for a mother and baby charity in the States. To raise money, he aimed to stay awake for 200 hours straight. That's about eight and a bit days. Why Why specifically 200? I don't know. It's a good round number, I guess. I suppose. But it, instead of eight days, you, like I think seven days sounds impressive. Yeah, I think a whole week is quite a good thing. But 200 hours, I guess it's quite showy, isn't it? It's like... It's know. not 100, it's 200. Yeah, exactly. And during this time, he broadcast on the radio the entire time. You were joking. Now, the publicity around this piqued the interest of scientists. They were well up for seeing what would happen to Peter, especially as he was literally just offering up his experience on a plate to them. So some researchers went down to monitor him and the station set him up in a glass room in Times Square where he would stay for the first part of the fundraiser, which is giving me real David Blaine vibes. I was going to say, yeah. wasn't this dangled outside Tower Bridge? Yeah. <laughs> but obviously David Blaine was in the 2000s and yeah. this was 1959. I think he probably drew some inspiration from this. I hey, history's just repeating itself. This, as you can imagine, did not end well. At first, everything seemed like it was going okay. Peter was a little groggy, getting a little giggly like you do when you're overtired, but he was able to do his show pretty well, which is how I feel we're doing right now. Yeah, we're, <laughs> this is very apt and very fitting to be talking about this. But things soon started to go downhill off mic. 
After about 100 hours, Peter couldn't recite the alphabet anymore and didn't know how to do simple maths problems. Then, after about 120 hours of staying awake, so about five days, he started having hallucinations. Have you ever had that when you've been awake for so long? I have. Um, Not that I can recall. All I know is Hallucinate by Dua Lipa. I once saw the Grim Reaper outside of a plane that was just about to take off. So that was great. Mm, I'm not (laughs) just standing there waving. Nikki, mm, I I don't think the mushroom was the right thing to take just before entering the airport. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. (laughs) In a break from his show, he was allowed to walk to a local hotel to shower and change. But when he got to his room and opened a drawer to find new clothes, the drawer erupted into flames. Of course, it wasn't real, but Peter's brain made him hallucinate it. I was going to say, what what are the arsenic he is going on right now? <laughs> he started to believe that the researchers that had come to help him were trying to prank him with the fire to make him drop out of the fundraiser. He then started expressing worries that the scientists were going to frame him for a crime. He was so out of it that when one scientist came to see if he was okay, Peter thought that the scientist was an undertaker coming to bury him, so he set off running down the street. See, this is like me and the Grim Reaper. Yeah, get that fire exit (laughs) door, we're off. Exactly. No, I didn't actually feel that worried about it. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, if this is how I go, it's how I go. (laughs) I'd accepted my fate. I was ready to sleep by that point. They managed to get him back into the studio and to help him get to 200 hours, the researchers started giving him drugs to help him complete his time, but it wasn't plain sailing from there. He would keep getting out of his chair, thinking that the floor was on fire, and staring at a clock, thinking that he could see the face of his friend in it. Towards the end of the 201 hours, yes, he exceeded his target, he started pulling researchers aside to tell him that even though everyone thought he was Peter Tripp, he wasn't. He was an imposter. The lack of sleep was so bad on his body and mind that poor Peter literally didn't know who he was anymore. Now, the brain does funny things when it's extremely sleep deprived and when the body is desperate for rest. The brain starts going into REM sleep cycles even when the person is awake, allowing them to function at a basic level whilst awake, but ultimately still resting the brain. Essentially, you start dreaming whilst you're awake. In Peter's case, he may have been suffering from Morvan syndrome, a condition where the body completely shuts down after long periods of no sleep. It sounds pretty awful. Symptoms include muscle contractions, cramping and delirium. Finally, after eight whole days, Peter's fundraiser was finished and he eventually got to rest, sleeping for 13 hours straight. But after such a long period of no sleep, Peter was never the same again. His friends and family say that he kept saying he didn't believe he was the real Peter Tripp, still thinking he was an imposter like he did on day eight of the fundraiser. He was so messed up that he sadly lost his job and his wife divorced him. Okay, so um, lesson learned there. Don't sacrifice your own sanity for the sake of a fundraiser. Maybe go on on a long walk. Yeah, yeah, maybe just do that. Climb Ben Nevis. Yeah. Moving on, 1964, Randy Gardner's world record. If you think that eight days is a lot of time to stay awake for, 
think again. In 1964, 17-year-old Randy Gardner from San Diego, California in the USA stayed awake for a whopping 11 days and 25 minutes, breaking the world record. Right, I ain't a pissing competition, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) The idea came from Randy's friend Bruce McAllister, who later said that the only reason they thought about doing it was because they needed a presentation for the science fair. (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of thing i would do instead of doing like legit like research and actual work like a a rat test or something like that like with the maze i'd be like i'll just stay away yeah Yeah. easy peasy Yeah. yeah don't have to do any prep for it just stay awake done record the results finished but if you are having unprotected sex take prep thank you very much The world record they decided to break was held by another radio DJ. What is it with radio DJs? Hey, they've got to do something on the air. Yeah, in Honolulu, who'd managed just under 11 days. So the pair got to work, kicking it off with a coin toss to see which of the two of them would stay awake. (laughs) Randy lost. Knowing absolutely nothing about sleep studies, their first thought was to see if anything paranormal would happen as a result. But after realising they couldn't really prove anything on that front, they settled on testing Randy on how well he could play basketball every day he didn't have a snooze. At first they started out on their own, with Bruce on hand to make sure Randy wouldn't drop off. But after three days of staying awake to keep an eye on Randy, Bruce was flagging. So they roped in another friend to help out. After a few days, Randy's efforts had gained some traction in the local paper, and luckily for the boys, had caught the attention of William DeMont, a researcher from Stanford University. William was just starting out in the field of sleep research, but had much more knowledge than the boys, so contacted Randy's parents and asked if he could come and monitor the attempt. Randy's parents were like, oh my god, yes please, we have no idea what our son is doing, so William made the journey to San Diego. By the time William got to Randy's, the 17-year-old had already been awake for three whole days and seemed pretty much fine. He was upbeat and didn't seem particularly affected by his sleeplessness, but as time wore on, some unexpected things started to happen. Even though physically he was fine, he began to experience changes in his senses of taste, smell and hearing. At one point, he even begged the group to stop making him smell things because he couldn't stand how anything smelt. I've been there. I've been there. (laughs) However, interestingly, his basketball playing became even better than before he stopped sleeping. How? I know. It's quite interesting, that, isn't it? I thought, naturally, it'd be the other way around. Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But do you think it's because he was focusing and concentrating so much on the activity at hand that that was the only goal, was to put it to the back of the brain, the tiredness and put the activity and the focus in the foreground. Yeah, I think also as well, it's kind of a fight or flight thing, isn't it? And your body just sort of, you know, will take over in that situation. His brain had probably stopped, but his body was like, okay, we need to sort ourselves out. So it was fine playing basketball. Muscular memory. Yeah. It's very, very odd. Don't ask me to play basketball. (laughs) Slam dunk. William was really interested in finding out what would happen after the challenge was over whilst Randy recovered. So after 11 days of being awake, he took him to the local hospital to sleep it off whilst his brainwaves were monitored. Randy slept for a full 14 hours and then went straight back to school the next day. As you do. It's just just young people, in it. Yeah. <laughs> just bounce back. It's like hangovers when you get older. Like They just get harder. 
I remember being 18 and literally being out for five days on the trot, you know? Yeah. No hangover. Being perfectly fine. McDonald's breakfast and you're all right. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's a typical teenage thing. Yeah. Just, in the words of Little Mix, bounce back. Interestingly, though, what William discovered from monitoring Randy throughout his record attempt was that his brain was essentially catnapping the whole time, just like Peter Tripp. Randy was continuously falling into REM sleep while still awake to stop him from dying. How crazy is that? The human body is a wonderful thing. That trips me out a bit. No pun intended. (laughs) Yeah, it's just very odd, isn't it? You know, suddenly your body is like, okay, we need to sleep now because otherwise we will die. Mm. And we're going to do it whilst we're standing up. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so on to the next one. 2004, staying... Yeah, we're, we're getting we there. We took a big jump. We're getting there. We're getting there. Now, this is what you were saying earlier on. So this is staying awake for entertainment. Now, so far, despite Peter losing it, these stories have actually had an end goal in mind. I mean, yes, it's kind of mad to do this for entertainment, but research has got a lot out of it in the case of Randy and the Cave Dwellers, which coincidentally is the name of my new band. <laughs> Please watch the stage, Randy and the Cave Dwellers. <laughs> And even Peter, despite the slight mental breakdown, raised a lot of money for charity. But let's fast forward to 2004 to the Channel 4 writer's room, where the subject of sleep deprivation rears its head and someone has a light bulb moment for a new TV show. Now, if you're in the UK and you're older than 25, you'll know what I mean when I say that Channel 4 and British TV in general in the noughties was a wasteland. Reality TV was a new, exciting and importantly cheap genre to make and TV channels that wanted to exploit the general public in return for cash prizes were booming and reality game shows that were horrible to their contestants were huge. So naturally, Channel 4 launched Shattered in 2004, a reality TV game show hosted by a baby Dermot O'Leary and baby Dermot O'Leary... He still is to this day. Still a fox. Still is. I'm not gonna lie. I think it's the. I think it's the borderline skinhead. Yeah. In his youth, that really got me. Yeah, and he's just you know sort of Jack the Lad kind of good personality. But he's he's like the lad that is so kind. Yeah. Oh. Nice. You know, if you had a problem, you could go to Dermot and he'd sort it out. He'd listen to you and he'd yeah. sort it out. I'm not gonna lie. I don't remember shattered. But I'm going to go back and research it. But if I was to be awake and then be evicted from the big sleep house and Dermot O'Leary was there to greet me, I'd be like, be like my, dreams. my dreams. <laughs> I'm, I'm hallucinating. Hallucinate. <laughs> but I would be very happy to see a young, hunky Dermot O'Leary. For I'm going to have to look back at pictures in my lunch break. <laughs> yeah, see, this is the thing where I've been catching up on all the big brother and also they've got all the big brother's little brothers as well with them. Oh. And he's in, in there being really young and cute. <laughs> oh, Dermot. Anyway, anyway let's stop shattered. thirsting. Let's stop thirsting over Dermot O'Leary. <laughs> I know, my husband's going to kill me. Ten contestants had to stay awake for seven whole days in order to win the cash prize of £100,000. The catch? Well, if at any point any of the contestants closed their eyes for more than 10 seconds, £1,000 was deducted from the prize fund. (gasps) So not only did the contestants have to live in a Big Brother-type reality show with their actions monitored at all points, the producers fostered a Lord of the Flies-type existence where if someone wronged you, you would all lose out. Nah, I don't like that. Don't like that at all. It's not fair. 
As well as being kept awake, the contestants were subjected to daily tests, including memory tests, a reaction test and a clock test, which measured their perception of time because, of course, producers had removed all clocks from their surroundings in order to make them disorientated. Mm-hmm. Sneaky, sneaky. It's very clever. I don't know what they're doing. And, of course, being a game show, the contestants that had the lowest scores on the daily tests had to face off in a live challenge with another contestant that night to avoid being voted off. They were also subjected to You Snooze, You Lose challenges, (laughs) where they endured hour-long sessions of relaxing pastimes engineered to make them go to sleep. Now, this just made me laugh so much. They had massages, cuddling a giant teddy bear, counting sheep, listening to a boring lecture, which would that would be the one that would send me off to sleep. (laughs) And also they gave them bedtime stories. And also, this is really, really good, watching paint dry. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for, and they gave them a Horlick, but no. (laughs) I don't know if they did give them Horlicks. We'll have to go back and actually watch it. Do you know what? If I was trying to get somebody to sleep, I'd give them a Horlicks. Yeah, I would. A nice big, big soft, cuddly teddy bear, a Horlicks and a nice bedtime story. Then that would be it. You'd be out, wouldn't you? See, in this day and age, they'd get, they'd get the white noise out. Yeah. And to the producer's joy, good old sleeping whilst awake, also known as hypnagogic and hypnopompic states, hit the contestants hard. We need to say that in an Essex accent, please. Hypnagogic. Yeah. Hypnopontic. Hypnopompic. Hypnopompic. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, I'm learning and educating. <laughs> okay, so these states hit the contestants hard. One player, Chris, started to believe he was the Prime Minister of Australia and then was convinced that he was on the set of Neighbours. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but it is hilarious. Contestants Dean and Jonathan were convinced that someone had stolen their clothes and contestant Claire started telling the other players made-up stories about when she was arm-wrestling Irish boxer Joey Ruin. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> well, in their case, they can. Yeah. It sounds like pretty entertaining telly and you know I love to watch old reality TV so I'm definitely going to go back and watch this. Please. I've, I want to do a viewing party. Yeah, I think we should. But these contestants were well and truly, as the show title suggested, shattered, with one player leaving three days in after being advised to leave by a psychiatrist. But the majority of contestants stayed the course and in the end, Claire Farrer won the prize pot of £97,000. Oh, so they only lost £3,000? Yeah, so they did all right. Congratulations, guys. You did well. After she left the competition, her parents took her home where she fell asleep in the middle of eating soup at the dining room table. Poor Claire. I'd be devastated if it was French onion. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love a French onion. Yes. Give me those croutons and that massive oh. wedge of melted cheese. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a bit stringy, but it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah you've got to be careful because it might make you choke a bit, but it's all right. Okay. <laughs> okay, so 2019. People are still doing stupid shit for money. <laughs> Enter stage right, Awake, the million dollar game on Netflix. With an achievable goal of staying awake for just 24 hours... Contestants must sit in a room filled with coins for the duration and count them all. Once the 24 mind-numbing hours are over, they then have to guess how much money they've counted. The contestants who get it wrong are immediately eliminated, but those that are close enough to the number are treated to even more challenges before they can get their hands on $10,000. 
It's a fairly tame show compared with Shattered and Peter Tripp's Awakathon, but I suffer from dyscalculia, so I'd not last a minute, I don't think. Dyscalculia? Dyscalculia is when you're really awful with numbers. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I can barely count to uh, 20 before I get panicky what's coming next. You're good with quick maths, though. Only only on figures that I know. So, like, I only know up to 72 hours right. for three days. Yeah. If you asked me for four, I'd be like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so, that, but one plus one is two. Great. But anything other than that, four, be a cow kick. <laughs> but, yeah, I wouldn't be good at the counting of the numbers because I get very panicky. Right. And I, I hate fucking up. Like, that is like a big phobia of mine. It's like fucking something up, big and major. So I put so much pressure on myself that the the task at hand becomes doubly hard. Yeah, you'd be super worried about it and not be able to focus. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the the thing, isn't it? There is that it's quite a lot is riding on it. So yeah, it would be difficult to to keep. Plus, I've got a short attention span. So if I've only got one task, I'd be bored. Yeah, that's the thing. My brain would be like, oh, okay, we're we're counting the things, we're counting the things. Uh, What am I having for dinner? (laughs) But even when I was on Drag Race, like we'd be focusing on a challenge, but I'd be looking around the room going, oh, who's going out of the room? Who's going to the toilet? Who's doing this? Oh, hi, Ro. Like, I couldn't ever focus on just one thing. And that's my downfall. So looking at all the sleep deprived things people have done in the name of breaking records and winning money, has that changed how you see the initial Russian sleep experiment story? Um, Well, when we went into this, I was like, this sounds very familiar. Obviously, David Blaine, tasks on Big Brother, because Big Brother have done it before for a week long challenge where they've got to stay awake. But it was on it wasn't on the money aspect i remember it was like i think it was about big brother eight and they were all in like dressing gowns and stuff it was more for you only have this amount of time for the week Mm. to sleep yeah so anybody dozed off in the day the clock will go down they'll be like who's asleep who's asleep running around (laughs) trying to wake them up so it's familiar to me but i still don't believe the russian sleep experiment story no i don't at all i think it's all a load of bunkum i think it's, it's a good story yeah don't get me wrong. Yeah. Terribly written. Yes. Great story. Yeah. You don't have to go far on the internet to find people that 100% believe that the experiment was real. And it's not surprising. Just 15 years ago, the CIA announced that they had been using sleep deprivation and experimentation as a method of torture. <gasps> If one of the world's biggest intelligence agencies admit to that, it is conceivable that you'd start to think, well, what else? And here's a little Google fun for you. One of the reasons people believe that the story was real was a photo that was later added to the Creepypasta wiki. But it turns out it's a photo of a life-size animatronic Halloween prop called Spasm. But it's terrifying nonetheless. I don't want to see that one. But I'm sure it's going to go on the Insta. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to show it to you in a second. Oh, great. (laughs) The photo that we'll put on our Instagram... At Killers, Kilts and Queens. Give us a follow, please. Thank you. Please, thank you. Depicts a human-like figure sitting on a snow-covered bench, looking over its shoulder into the camera, completely bald with huge eyes and long teeth. It resembles a half-human, half-skeletal figure covered in bandages and scars. It is pretty creepy, and the fact that it's an animatronic is even more disturbing. 
but many believe that it is actually a photo of one of the test subjects in the 40s. Okay, now I'm going to show you the photo now. Right. Thanks. Come on, trauma. Amaze me. Okay, you How ready? Fabulous. I'm ready. No, don't turn off the light. <laughs> right, here we go. Spasm. Uh... Oh, I hate that. <laughs> Is that enough? Yeah, okay. get it out my sight. Okay. I thought that might be too scary. <laughs> it's not it's scary, it's just freaky. It's horrible, isn't it? Ugh. But it's, uh, what amazing artistry to make something that hideous. It's great. It's that on... Uh, people. The things that people can do... Amazing. Whatever you believe, science and stupid fundraising experiments go to show that you need to get your eight hours every night. So stop staying up until 3am watching TikTok. Go to bed or you'll get Morvan syndrome and you'll only have yourself to blame. And that was the Russian sleep experiment. Hey, that's really shown me that I need more than the three and a half that I've had last night from my gig to this. So yeah, and hopefully you don't dream of that animatronic. I really hope you don't. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna put in the forefront of my mind, Mamma Mia. Grease Island. Grease Island. I need to go to sleep. <laughs> I think possibly sage yourself as well before bedtime tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so we just have to say the knowledge out there on this topic is vast and much more than we can fit in one episode. So please check our sources if you want to find out more. Yes, and if you've been affected by any of the themes of this episode, please have a look at the description for lots of helpful resources. Next time on Killers, Cults and Queens. We're getting oaky spooky up in here. We're travelling to the States to look at the most haunted prison in America, the Eastern State Penitentiary. Subscribe or follow to make sure that you never miss an episode of Killers, Cults and Queens. And if you have a case or a story you'd like us to explore, then get in touch at Killers, Cults and Queens. See you next time. And don't be a killer or join a cult. Just get some sleep. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.